Welcome back to episode three of Outgrowing the Good Christian Girl. Today's episode is called Our Preoccupation with Sin, and I'd also call it Inherently Loved. I hope it can encourage you. Welcome back to episode three of Outgrowing the Good Christian Girl. Thanks for being patient last week as I took a week off. I have been just trying to wrap my head around exactly what I want to say in this next video, and Lord help me. I'm not sure if I'm going to do it right. Also, side note, I feel like the backdrop in my house today should be like Tiffany in real life because here in this ninth month of pregnancy, as much as I love a clean house, I can barely walk some days. I'm in so much pain. But here I am. And um, I want to talk today about our preoccupation with sin and the idea that we are inherently loved. So I'll give you a couple examples of this from my own life growing up. Um, and part of this is just my personality. I've shared with you guys, I'm a one on the Enneagram. So I have a tendency to just see my flaws and hyper-focus on them. And I think sometimes church culture can play into that unhealthy tendency for people like me. So here are two examples from growing up about how I saw sin. Uh, the first example was um, my church youth group. I loved going. I went like every week and they had an hour before youth group started that was for prayer. And I always wanted to be there for the prayer time. But one day I was like, you know what? I've been here most of the time. I really want to go hang out with my friends now, but I kind of feel like I should still be praying. And so I was like, pray friends, pray friends, friends went out. There were cute guys there. You know, I went hung out with my friends instead. And I remember feeling so guilty just like, I cannot believe I left God down. I'm just like the disciples in the garden. Like they all fell asleep when he needed them to pray. I'm like totally blowing it. And I felt so guilty for a really long time. And now looking back, I'm like, what an unhealthy perspective. Like, first of all, it's okay if you want to go hang out with your friends. Like I thought I had to be this like super spiritual person who always wanted to be praying. And I really don't think it was God who was saying to me like, keep praying. I think it was me, my perfectionistic expectations of what it meant to be a Christian, but also like that kind of guilt that just is like there and you're like, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I've let you down. I let you down. Like it's not healthy. It leads to shame. And the focus is entirely on myself and my shortcomings. It's not on God at all. So the second example of my focus on sin is always searching my heart for sin. Like always like search me, Lord, and try me. Like see if there's any evil in me. Like I just felt like I always had to be looking for the sin in my life. And there was just this preoccupation with sin. So I'll just say right off the bat, do I believe we've all sinned? Of course, I live on planet earth. I live with myself. I live with my family. Like clearly nobody is perfect. So I think sin was meant to reveal our need for God. But if we're just focus too much. I'm like, you're, we're sinful. You're sin nature. I've heard people say like, I am a worm and without God, I deserve nothing. And I'm like, okay, but you're forgetting something. Like you're forgetting, like you were created in the image of God. Like you have that inherent value, worth, and love instilled in you, whether or not you ever have a relationship with God, like you were created by him and he loves you. Like that is inherent worth, inherent love from the beginning of time placed in each of our beings. And I think we forget like that came first. Like we talk about the fall of man at the beginning, but no, at the beginning was love. Like that came first. And I think that that is the main point in the gospel. Like 
in 1 Corinthians 13, I just love that passage about love. Um, and Paul is like, you know, we only see in part right now. We don't see clearly, but someday we will see with clarity. And there are three things that will remain, faith, hope, and love. By the way, are these the three things we talk about most at church sometimes? Uh, faith, hope, and love were not the main messages I've often heard in church. I always felt like it was, you know, holiness, like make good decisions, live a life that's right before God. Like it's all about what we do instead of like faith, hope, and love are like all about what God has done. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Like that's what will remain. That is the, in my opinion, the essence of the whole gospel message of the whole Bible of Jesus come to earth. Even the Bible, like it's full of these characters who were like messy, messed up individuals. Like my husband likes to say, if David was a modern day youth pastor, he would have been fired or put in jail. Like having a man killed, sleeping with his wife, getting her knocked up and then killing the guy. Like that's a big deal. And yet the Bible still calls him a man after God's heart. Why? Because the Bible reflects our humanity. It reflects our messiness. And it shows us again and again, like it's not about being perfect. It's being loved by God. And some people might say, well, but it says like, be perfect as I'm perfect. And I think the point of verses like that, in my opinion, is to remind us like we need God. Like we can't be that on our own. We need him. And even if you look at like what God asks from us as people, Jesus says all the law and the prophets can be summed up in this, love God with all you are and love your neighbor as yourself. He said later on, this is how people will know you're my disciples, by your love for one another. And I think sometimes in church, we're like, they'll know we're Christians because we don't sin, or we'll know we're Christians because we're so holy and different from the world, or they'll know we're Christians because of this. And we can't lose sight of the fact that like Jesus really sums it all up as by your love for God and others. And how do we love God and others? By knowing that he first loved us. Again, 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, you could be the most super spiritual person there is. Be early to youth group to pray, you know, like speak with all the tongues of men and angels. But if you do not have love, it means nothing. And you could have all knowledge. You could understand all the mysteries and have all the right and wrong answers figured out to every question there is. This is me paraphrasing. But if you do not have love, it means nothing. And I hear people saying like, if we're talking too much about God's love, we're watering down the gospel. And I think they're coming at it like my husband did, where he says, I need to be challenged. I need to be reminded, like you need God. But I guess what I see is love being the main point of Jesus's ministry. So much so that the people who seemed to have it all together, the Pharisees, those were the ones that he called out and called a brood of vipers, keeping other people from coming to Jesus. And the people who were messy and living in adultery and living in whatever the sins were, those were the people who he said, come, I want to spend time with you. I want to eat at your table. I want to be in fellowship with you. And you might say, yeah, but he told them to go and sin no more. You're right. He did but he had no follow-up plan in place. Can I just point that out for a second? Like he says to this woman in adultery who's about to be stoned, like go and sin no more. There's no check-in with your accountability partner. There's no like, here's 10 steps. There's no, once you've gotten out of your sin, then I'll be proud of you. It's like, Jesus, are you forgetting something here? And I just think it's because the point he was there for was to bring her into relationship with God. And you might say, well, God can't be where sin is. Like we have to be focused on sin and getting rid of it. We already have though. Like when we are washed in the blood of Jesus, 
The Bible says we take on the righteousness of God in Jesus. And so God looks at us and sees Jesus's righteousness. Even though we are not perfect, even though we do mess up, even though we're in a process of sanctification, being made more like God, a process that takes longer than we thought it should and is on God's time and schedule and is mostly just about us responding to his love. So I think we need to, I guess for me, what I needed to do is stop being preoccupied with sin and shortcomings and trust that if there's something God wants to work on in my life, he'll show me. And he always does. And I don't have to be out there focusing on it and searching for it. And just trust like he loves me and he is doing a good work in me and he will bring it to completion. So I hope that can bring you guys some freedom. Next week, we're going to get into some more specifics about specific questions I asked in my journey. I love you, ladies. Bye. <laughs>